Welcome back to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it, come to Donahue Accounting Services. A leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online at DonahueAccountingService.com. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999, under the Hall of Fame coach, Bob Huggins. And I'm Neil Meyer with the Front Office News. I'm JT Smith, Editor-in-Chief of the Front Office News. All right, fellas, we're back for another episode. Let's jump right into it. The Bearcats are currently 13-6 and six after losing to the number seven team in the country, Kansas, 69-74. to 74. JT, thoughts on the Bearcats' performance? Oh, man, so, okay, if, if, if you listen, anybody listen to the podcast, y'all knew that I said it would either be close, if it was close to Bearcats will win, and if Kansas won, it will be kind of a semi-blowout, and I was wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where are you going? I was like, where are you going with this? And you were yeah, like, I was wrong, right? I was wrong. I'm just going to stand on business. I was wrong, right? <laughs> hey, I respect that, man. You stand on business. Standing on business, man. I was, I was totally wrong. But it was a couple of times where it looked like the Bearcats were about to get blown out, and they didn't. Man. But it was like, man – it's not the pick on when they out rebounded Kansas. They slow Hunter Dickinson down. If Simas and Vic play okay, like their normal averages, the Bearcats win this game by five. Man, facts. You know what I mean? They went two for fifteen. They go five. If they go five for fifteen, they win that game. They go six for fifteen. No matter where it's at, it's a one three. If it's a couple layups. They win this game, man, because I feel like everybody else didn't. I mean, Day-Day being in foul trouble didn't help, but I thought Jizzle played solid. Um, John and um, Dan. Dan had a hell of a first half. Second half wasn't as good. I don't know how many shots he had in second half. but He went five for nine in the first half and finished six of 14. Yeah, so, yeah, five for nine. So, one of four, one of five is going to get it done, but five shots after going four. Five for nine in the first half. A little bit. He probably need more shots, honestly. Effort at the end of the day, but them to be able to control a team like Kansas. I mean, they made them turn the ball over more than I expected. Even though Kansas isn't deep, they. I mean, you know, McCuller. He had a solid game, but he didn't like just kill the Bearcats. I thought he made a couple key defensive plays, and that you know, people probably won't look at that, but. It was one of those games that the Bearcats could have easily stolen on the road against in that environment and against that team. Man, it's like one of those ones that's like you kind of it's like it sucks because they 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 are right there. It's just they don't like it's who's gonna like Dan's kind of trying to step up. I feel like John is trying to step up as well, even on the offensive side, but it's just gonna be Who's going to be the solid offensive force consistently? Yeah. And like you kind of expect Vic to be an automatic double digit guy, and him not doing that is not ideal, especially on the road. At home, you can kind of get away with it, but on the road right now, until somebody just comes out where they just, you just know you're going to get 20 from Dan, or you know you're going to get 20 from John, you need. Vic to be at a good 12 to 14, even on an off night. And they can beat Kansas. Like, I feel like if they play Kansas on a neutral court, if everybody plays right, not, not even great, if everybody plays solid, they can beat them. And that's that sounds like I'm being a homer, but I, I just can see it. It's just that Kansas had a couple people that just took the ball by his horns and was like, I'm about to win this game. And you're not gonna get calls in Kansas, so, so you're not gonna get calls in Kansas. So if you think you're gonna get calls, you're done. So you gotta stay mentally locked in. Can't get unraveled because you're. I mean, you saw TCU should have won, and you saw how those calls went um, against them. You know, and Bearcats were right there, man. So it's just you can't go what seven minutes without scoring a field goal on the road and think you're gonna win. But 
it's one of those games that I counted as a loss even before this before once I saw the schedule. So that being said, I think the Bearcats played better than I expected, but then that's what makes it hurt more because it was a game they actually could have pulled the upset off in. Now, JT, I, I saw Kansas play earlier this year when um, yeah. I went to Kansas City for the Bengals-Chiefs game. I went yeah. to the Kansas-Wichita um, game, and my buddy and I were there, and I told my buddy, I said, man, I, I think this Kansas team is beatable. Like, you know, the yeah. Bearcats could beat them. They just they didn't seem mo- like a monstrous team that I was like, oh, shit, the Bearcats are in, like, huge trouble. Yeah. Uh, I predicted they would lose this game because I think Kansas is beatable, but at home, I, they're just such a different, you know, it's a different animal. Yeah. At, like that, at- that, that, mm-hmm. that record against unranked teams is like what, 60, 61 and 0 or something like that? At that, yeah. at Allen Fieldhouse. So the Bearcats are right there. They're definitely, Kansas is beatable. If you get Kansas in foul trouble like they did, I mean, I feel like Aziz did a hell of a job. I mean, even Vic played great on de- – I thought he played good on defense. Um, you know, Aziz, I thought, did a heck of a job. He made a couple turnovers that he shouldn't have made. But end of the day, I mean, the whole Hunter Dickinson went to like 10 and 6 or something like that. 10 and 6, um, and he had 10 points and five rebounds in the first half. Yeah, I mean, they had him on – I mean, they had him like in a straight jacket. Um, you don't expect that. And I think the Bearcats, they have the bodies to be able to do that. It's just that offensively, they have to be able to score, again. I mean, in that environment. I mean, they played in some tough environments. All, I mean, shit. I mean, the last – all every since – all the games they played in the Big 12 have been against the top 25 team. Um, so, they're definitely battle-tested. And they just got to get some get some does. I don't want jump to the, jump the gun. But um, it's just one of those ones, man, where you looked at it, where it's like, man, they could have won this game. But I think – Taking a step back, it's just like they're playing against such top tier t- um, talent that every game is going to be. If you're playing solid and you're in the game, it's going to be a few plays that you look at and like, man, they could have won the game if they did this X, Y, and Z right. So, which is a positive thing, but being on this side of the coin, it hurts a little bit more because you were so close. Yeah, and and so great segue, Neil. You were at the game. You were at Allen uh, Fieldhouse. There were, what, 16-3 in the building, mm-hmm. um, right? That's a sellout there, right? Yep, 16-3 was announced the sellout, so it was yeah. a sellout. Yep, so, man, give us the experience, man. What, what was it like? It seems like a, a dope arena. Yeah, so oh, right when you walk in, I mean, what we did early was we went and we checked out the facility early in the afternoon. It was like 1.30 we were walking through the Kansas Hall of Fame, you know, sports junkies. We had to check out the Wilt Chamberlain section and all that. And, well, A, we found a back door open to the arena that was connected to the the uh, the venue itself in Allen Fieldhouse. So we got to check out the, the arena before we were even at the game. So, but, man, seeing students wait four hours out in the freezing cold for a Kansas basketball game is electric. And you could see it early. I mean... I think students were there about four hours early. And then Rayvon Griffith, when he had his pregame workout, probably had close to 3,000 students already in the building. And that was two and a half hours before the game time even started. That's, but that's it's, it's, hey, Neil, is that, a, um, is that a thing that happens? I don't know if you asked this question to anybody there. Is that something that happens on the regular? Or yeah, is there yeah that's every home game. People wait outside like that. Man. And it's, it's a weird – like on the outside, it's, it looks like a high school gym on the outside. But then when you get inside, it's like there's no seat backs. Only a, like a couple sides have the seat backs. But it is like modern day wooden bleachers hmm. all the way around. But the way it's set up, like right behind like the sidelines, it's like maybe six feet wide. And then you're going right into the stands. And like it, it gets hostile in there. Like when they say like, it's impossible to win at Allen Fieldhouse because of the environment. The environment is crazy. Like you're seeing the big old signs of the rock chalk, and then you have the band sitting right there. And it it was crazy. It really was. And I mean, student section, like it looked like the student section just went straight up. But I I promise you guys, 12,000 of the 16,000 fans in there that night were students just because they went all the way around. 
Mm. Like it went up into the top draft, the rafters, and then it split off to the sides. And then it just wrapped around on both sides, basically. But I will say this, Bearcats fans, they traveled really well out to that game on Monday night. How many how many Bearcat fans do you think were there? I would probably say close to at least 2,000 of them were Bearcats fans. Wow. Yeah, every bit of it. I mean, when we were walking around during the day on campus, I mean, I think me and Ryan Roberts passed maybe a group of about 50 to 75 in Damn. total numbers, roughly. So we passed about 50 to 75 cool. Bearcats fans. That's what's up. So they're all rocking the Jordan uniforms, which is great to see. But yeah, it's it's a great environment out there. Like you can definitely see why it's hard hard to win at Allen Fieldhouse. But there wasn't a bad seat in that arena, in my opinion. But, hey, hey, Neil, when you when you walked um when you were walking on campus and you passed some of the Bearcat fans, did you get a chance to talk to anybody? Uh, we stopped and talked to a couple fans. Okay, and was that just you know a lot of people? I assume a lot of people. It was a bucket list game. Yeah, to mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Most of them were like, hey, we couldn't miss this one. Had to come check out this venue. Had to come check out this team, this matchup. But it was definitely a great environment. Definitely a great environment. Did any of the Bearcat fans go, hey, are you Neil Meyer from the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast? I did not have anybody stop me and ask me <laughs> while we were out there. While we were out there. But there, there definitely was a lot, of, a lot of positives to take away for the Bearcats after that game. I definitely thought, as JT mentioned, this was a – a game they should have won if you eliminate that seven-minute scoring drought. I think you're right there with them. I mean, Bill Self will di- disagreed with us when we asked him about the second-half defensive adjustments on Hunter Dickinson. He he credited it towards the Bearcats getting him in foul trouble. But I, th- me personally, I thought West Miller and the Bearcats completely took Hunter Dickinson out of the picture in the second half and made him beat you the other way. So outside of that, if you can beat them in the second half, I thought they were great there. But one play that really stood out to me was Day-Day Thomas missing the dunk in wide open. If he lays that in, you stop that run, but he went for the cram, tried to cram it home and hit that thing off the back of the rim and went and points the other way for Kansas. So I think if he takes the layup in that situation and makes the easy basket, I think you kind of stop the run, you stop the bleeding. But there's a lot of positives to take away. I thought Dan Skillings was phenomenal in the first half. Josh Reed getting into early foul trouble didn't really help them because they had to – play a lot of defensive adjustments there in the second half. I mean, he picked up his third foul right before half. And we've talked about it multiple times. Josh Reed has been a guy that stepped in tremendously over the last few weeks and seen his role increase on the defensive aspect. He's been a huge impact player, but he was only playing seven. He only played six and a half minutes on Saturday or on Monday night versus Kansas. So it was, that was an adjustment. That was kind of something that you had to kind of figure out like what happened there, but it was Kansas's length that caused them a lot of foul trouble and they needed something on the offensive end to get going. But it was one of those nights where it's just the lid was on and you couldn't find a way to get the lid off. If that makes sense. Cause the seven minute scoring drought, CMOS comes out and you hit, he misses his first four or might've been first five shots of the night. And then that's kind of where you knew it was going to be, a struggle from there because they found themselves down 12 at one point in the first four minutes. They weathered the storm. You come back, you tie the game at halftime, which was great because that's been something Wes Miller has preached all season is how do you respond? And I thought they responded well after the early, early 12-0 run. I mean, Kansas was up 19-7. And in an environment like that, usually, to be honest with you, not most times, not many teams come back from a deficit like that at Allen Fieldhouse. But there was after that run, JT and Meach at halftime, like once that run started, that that crowd went quiet at Kansas for a little bit. Yeah. Like, it, the crowd student section was completely out of it. They thought this was going to be an easy game after going up big. And that, that wasn't the case. But the seven minute scoring drought just didn't didn't help them. If they can find a way to silence those runs, because I believe they had a close to a five minute drought as well there in the second half. So I mean, down the stretch of the second half, you have to you can't go from the nine minute mark to down to the two minute mark without a field goal. You have to find ways to to get some kind of points on the board. But I know we talked about it. Free throw shooting was not an issue in this one. You're shooting nearly 78 percent from the line, 18 to 23. I thought that was a great great showcase. Obviously, they're showing that they can knock the free throws down. But and if you can knock them down in an environment like that at Allen Fieldhouse, you can knock them down in just about any other environment that you're playing in. But 
Kansas is beatable. And I mean, I hate to say it. I was talking to even talking to some of the Kansas media guys. They don't expect most of those Kansas media guys don't expect Kansas to go far in the NCAA tournament. They're beatable. Damn. And if they don't go on that seven minute run, I think they hold them. I mean, you win the glass by plus 11 was the rebound differential. Aziz Bandego had 11 rebounds. So overall, there's still a lot of positives to take away from the game on Monday night. Yeah, you know, the, the thing that's, you know, a, a little frustrating, I know, for me is that this team is so close, man. I, we've said it before. I'm going to say it again. This team is so damn close. And I, I want to plead with the Bearcat fans right now. Please, Bearcat fans, stick with this team. <clears throat> stick with these players. Believe in Coach Wes Miller. And I'm going to say this over and over again. They will be a good team in March. <clears throat> I repeat, they will be a good team in March as long as they are healthy. I'm telling you. And, and I, I feel this schedule is so very interesting. And in, and in a lot of ways, I feel like this schedule will help them in March. And I mean, look at it. I mean, early on, uh, a lot of people were questioning, you know, why are we playing some of these games? Uh, I, I I hope it makes sense now. <laughs> like the as you guys have said before, the gauntlet of playing top twenty five teams, you know, in the conference play as much as we've had, you know, you you can't play like that the entire year. You're gonna wear your guys down. You have to have games where, like, you know, I, I can't remember the specific teams early, but you build that confidence up. You blow them out. Um, so I I, I do think this schedule will help them come March. Uh, early schedule, help build their confidence. The Big 12 schedule will help get them in the NCAA tournament. And then from there, get healthy, anything can happen. But once again, Bearcat fans, stick with this Bearcat team. Now the Bearcats take on UCF on Saturday at 7 p.m. in the beautiful Fifth Third Arena. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. Now let's jump into the big old segment sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. In this segment, we cover players to watch and key matchups. JT, who should we look out for from the Bearcats? And let's see if you get us right. No. <laughs> I'm about to just start saying, oh, former players. <laughs> Jaren oh. Cumberland. Come on, then. <laughs> Suleiman. Suleiman. <laughs> Biggie McClain. Come on, then. <laughs> That's too Steve funny. Logan. You about to <laughs> he ain't calling the game on, on Saturday. You about to play. Nah, but uh, <laughs> Hardy was at practice. Hardy had an extra year. Hardy had a COVID year. Nah, hey, but, uh, hey, we we need a shooter. <laughs> we need a shooter. shooter. I bet he can hit three. Of, I bet he get three to four. You leave him open. <laughs> Man, I, I, I bet you'd make some free throws too. Oh, for sure. Man, definitely just get on the ball. I don't want to play defense at his age right now, but everything. <laughs> no, else. no, he didn't. Hey, he didn't want to play defense back then. That's my yeah, guy. He, that wasn't his thing. He just can give you twenty five at any any time, so it didn't you know, matter. Hey, but. Uh, geez, these philosophy was I'm gonna outscore you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm telling you, Steve's giving out buckets. But uh yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, God. but no, for real, I am going with Victor Locken. Ooh, I feel like Vic has had two subpar games for his skill set, and I feel like he's gonna be back at home against a familiar opponent. I don't care who's on the team, I know um, Neil will get into that, but familiar opponent. So like he will have he, he needs to have a big game. I think it's, I mean if somebody else is hot, cool, but we need Vic to be, you know, damn near double double status because he's key, man. If if Vic plays solid because he can go inside and out, he he has a consistent three ball. I mean, when he plays assertive, I mean he's so skillful. He has to just he got a ball, man. And I just think. He's got to get back right, and I think the UCF game is going to get him back right. And he's going to have fourteen and eight, and he's going to play great, and he's going to feed off fifth third arena, and he's going to have a good game. Um, 
But I just think he's key, man. I think that the better Victor lock in place rest of this season um, will be key for the Bearcats. And if he comes and he's always getting double digits, he's always getting six to eight rebounds or six to ten rebounds, it's going to be key for the Bearcats. So I know with Aziz out there, his rebounds, won't he won't get as many opportunity to rebound, but I think he, he's still good enough to get you six no matter what. So I feel like double digits, six boards, and affect the game and make, make the right plays and be assertive. You know, JT, I've been a little shocked at Vic's performances uh, this season. Some of them, not not all of them. Yeah, yeah. Of them. no, yeah, it's been a few. Yeah, and I, I've been shocked by him because, I mean, this isn't Vic's first rodeo. I mean, no, no, nope. right? He's played in big games. He knows what it takes. He's no, he knows what he's capable of. Now, uh, Wes has allowed him to, you know, kind of venture out to the three point line. We've discussed that. So there's yep. a new new dimension to his game, and there's a lot you have to, you know process mentally through that but i mean i've just been shocked man at some of these games i'm like that's not the vic i know yeah yeah because the, the thing is man he's he's like he's skillful like he's so skillful man he just gotta he's gotta play because if he plays well i think it makes everything fall into place yep you know what i mean but if he plays shaky you know, you know what i mean it, it, it makes it harder for everything else to go into place because you don't have a dummy. I feel like Dan is taking very big steps towards being like the guy that can score against anybody. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's going to make some mistakes. He's going to do some stuff that you're like, ah, Dan. But he's going to make a lot of plays that be like, Dan is an NBA player. Yep. But he's going to do some stuff that be like, oh, man, he's going to make you scratch your head sometimes. But he's going to make more good plays than bad. And I feel like with with Vic, I, he, he has to be the steady, steady common force because he's more – he is more – he's more skilled. He's the most skilled big man. I mean, Jamil is very skilled on the offensive end as well. But I feel like he's the most skilled big man as far as the way he passes, yeah. um, can handle the ball. I haven't really seen Jamil handle the ball as much, but on the post, Jamil is just a bully, and he can shoot face-up jumpers. But, 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 but Vic, he has the talent to just get you – he should always be in double digits unless he's in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just think he's good enough. He's played here long enough. And it, I just – I see when he doesn't play well, he plays tentative. And you could tell. Like, but when he plays well, even when he misses, like, he's he's assertive. And I can roll – that you can roll with that. But it's the times where you see him just kind of, like, thinking too much and it, it burns him. Yep. Yep. And listen, JT, I, I hope you're right because we need Vic. We need Vic. Uh, we need Vic. If Vic does that, if Vic plays – well, we, we we are capable of seeing him play. It makes it easier for everything else, I think, personally. Because Z's being healthy, he's the lob guy, but he's not a guy you just throw it down to the post and say, give me a bucket. Jamil, you can do that. You can do that. So that's key as well. But I just think Vic gives you the best inside-outside option. Yeah, I, I agree. Even, even half, like, Vic – if he makes half the stuff he norm or does half the stuff he normally does, we beat Kansas, like you said. Oh uh, yeah, if Vic if Vic plays, if Vic shoots four of eleven against Kansas, we win the game. Yep. And like, I'm not even saying shoot fifty percent. Sometimes you know he sometimes he's hot. He's like seven or ten, and like if he shoots, he shoots four of eleven. I don't know how many. I think he was one of six. One of six. I think one of six. If he's two. Shoots one, or I get one more shot. Say he's three or seven, you win the game. Because I feel like the way he plays, it'll affect and get somebody else an easy shot. Um, CMOS is three or nine, they win the game. I feel like one of those would be a three, and another one would be a two. Mm-hmm. And something else shakes. You know what I mean? I just think, you know, those dudes both hit two more shots. They win that game. I will not disagree with you on that. Now, Neil, who do we need to watch out for? From UCF. Yeah, so for UCF, this is actually a UCF team that's sitting at 12 and 6 on the season, 3 and 3 in Big 12 play. But you look down at their roster and uh, their schedule of how this season has gone. Let's look back at what they have done in the last week and a half. They've beat Kansas at home, they've gone on the road to beat Texas. And then you're coming down and they competed there with uh, 
Houston, even though it was like an arguably one of their worst shooting performances in Big 12 history, but they lost to BYU. You win over Kansas and Texas, and then you get a big win over West Virginia. This is a a UCF team that's finding their stride at the right time right now. I mean, I know a lot of people are chalking this as a potential easy win in favor of the Bearcats, but this is an old school rivalry game with the Golden Knights that could come back and it could play in different it could play a lot of different ways if we're being honest. I mean, they're a, a veteran group, an experienced group. I mean, you look down, led by Jalen Sellers, who's averaging 17 points per game on 43% shooting. He only is shooting 20, uh, 26% roughly from the three-point line, so he's not the best three-point shooter, but he's shooting 86% from the foul line, so he will hunt in contact, get inside. He's six foot four, uses the size to his advantage, can really do a lot of different things for the Knights, but it starts with him on the offensive end. They'll have to find a way to contain him. And honestly, if I'm, if I'm the Bearcats, let him shoot the three ball, let him shoot it. Just don't let him get you guys in foul trouble and hunt contact early. Cause obviously he's really struggling from behind the arc. So let him shoot the three ball. Obviously that's been a big emphasis for the Bearcats is their perimeter defense this season. But honestly, in this case, just let sellers shoot the three ball. And then you have, Veteran guard Darius Johnson, who the Bearcats and West Miller have a great familiarity with because they've seen him over the last three seasons. So, I mean, he's averaging 13 points per game on 40% field goal shooting. He is the three-point shooter for the Knights, averaging nearly 40% from the line. This is a guy who can score on all three levels. He likes to get downhill and attack as well and draw contact. I mean, you're looking at their guard play right here. Jalen Sellers is shooting 86% from the foul line. Darius Johnson is shooting 82% from the foul line. So there are two starting point guards are shooting at a very efficient clip from the foul line. So what can they not let them do? Get to the foul line. Make them uncomfortable. Make them shoot the off-balance shot. But and then for the front court aspect for UCF, I'm going to go with Ibrahim Diallo, the seven-footer. He's averaging only 6.6 points per game, but he's averaging seven rebounds. But the reason I say this is because he's shooting an effective 60% leading the team in field goal shooting percentage down there. And I mean, easy shots around the bucket for him will be something that will be falling. That's something that's worked so well for Diallo this season is effective six to eight foot mid-range jumpers around the basket. But the Bearcats' rim presence is something that could take that completely off the board. And Aziz Bandego, Victor Locken, and Jamil Reynolds. So I'm going to be interesting to see how that matchup plays out, whether De- uh, whether Diallo is an uh, efficient aspect on the offensive and the defensive end, or if they can hold him to just one of two. Hopefully it's the defensive end and they don't let this guy go for 12 and 10 kind of night. But that is who you got to watch out for for the Golden Knights. I mean, they're riding – Great momentum right now, especially following their wins versus Kansas and Texas. I mean, this is a UCF team that has com- has shown that they are able to compete and hang with teams in the Big 12 like Cincinnati. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. But for that, you those are the three key players in my eyes that you have to keep an eye on for this contest on Saturday. All right, Neil, you know what time it is. It's our favorite time. JT's ready. All right, let's. Back. Huh? <laughs> back, baby. Back, baby. All right. Uh, one name you already said, but we, we've got several names on this roster here. It's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, All right, we back. We back. We back, baby. Back. We back in blood. Back in blood. Back like the McRib. We back like the McRib, baby. <laughs> oh snap! Uh, number four. Number four for UCF, Kome Umobor. Ooh, say it again. Kome Umobor. Mm. Mm. Number number ten. Number ten is Mentatus Mokas. Mm. That sounds like something at uh Starbucks. Like it when definitely you does. <laughs> say it again one more time, Neil. Number ten, Mentatus Mokas. Mm. Number 11. Number 11 is Ibrahima Diallo. Yep, you said that one. So, yeah. number 20. 
Yeah, I looked at this one earlier. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's the it's the the Thailand last name that's throwing me off here. It's Pufa Warakaluna Kukro. <laughs> His name is Pufa. Yo, does he play? Is he in the rotation? I hope so. He's oh, a red sophomore. Do they call him Pooh? <laughs> hey, say his first name again, Neil. Poofa. Poof is it is it Poof Daddy? So he, would he be Poof Daddy or it's P O O H P H A. He's Lord. from Bangkok, Thailand. Man. Oh, man, he's a legend. Yeah, man. I rock with him. I might I might have to get a picture with him on Saturday. His season, his season high is two points. <laughs> oh man, he doesn't play. This is terrible, man. Why doesn't he play? Come on, Poof Daddy. Come on, Poof Daddy. Come on, man. Oh, hey, Damn. man. We we. Th- I- I'm glad we're playing UCF because this gets us back on track with the name game. <laughs> Number sure. twenty-two. Number twenty-two. Nils Machowski. <laughs> <laughs> Nils. I'm gonna start calling you Niels. <laughs> Niels Meyer with the front office. <laughs> Niels Myers. Niels Meyer. <laughs> Number 31. Thierno Sila. Mm. Say that no. first again. Thierno. 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 Wow. Yeah, they got some names. Boy. Hey, that's cool. been the hardest one out of teams all season. The Poofa's last name threw me for a whirlwind. Say, say the whole name again. It is Ufa Warakol New Kukro. <laughs> yeah, we need to have an announcer try to. I want to see what the announcer like. Ask, we need to ask Dan Horde to say that name. And we, he went to Mount Verde, so we need to get them on uh, the podcast and see how to pronounce mm. that. Mm. Good to Mount Verde? Mm hmm. Dang. I mean, I'll see it, but it's crazy. And Poofa got started playing at Mount Verde. Man, old poof daddy. Playing around, man. He out there kicking it too tough. Hey, they got a pronunciation guide on here that speaks it for you. Should we play it? Go ahead, play it. Go ahead. You hear it? Nope. No, no, we can't hear it on ours. On our end. How'd it sound? I'm about to try. It's poofa wara call no crow. (laughs) Man, that's how it is. All right, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna see if it's gonna play loud enough. Ah, oh, hold on. Warakuna Crow. I'm doing one more time for y'all. Poopa Warakuna Crow. There Did we go. That? Wow, wow, that was brazy. That's, that's <laughs> super brazy. That was brazy. That might have been. This is. Is this the top that tier? The hardest one. one. Hardest yeah, one. This might be this might be the best name game ever right here. Yeah, I don't know if we're gonna be able to top this one. I don't know if I'll be able to come back from that one. You might ride off in the sunset on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's I, gonna be tough, man. I don't know what Texas, West Virginia got got for this. Man, I don't think they got anything close to this. This is this is next level. <laughs> Neil, you held it down. Yeah, man. <laughs> I have people that actually like this song. Like people, I told you, people like, man, what's that song from? Really? People like, people yeah, like yeah. So I told you the one guy thought we we made it. Like we made yeah, it. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely from like an OG sh- like show. Uh, yeah, it's like a game show from from yeah. from back in the day where yep. the game hosts had like the big bow ties and the cummerbunds with the f- fluffy stuff going on. Yeah, I feel like I remember my, like my great grandma. We used to watch something that had that that had that music playing. I don't know what it was though, but like I just feel like I definitely watched it with her. R.I.P. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, she loved a lot of game shows, so I definitely heard it from her. Yep. Well, the Big O segment is sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. Um. Okay, so I'm gonna pick, and obviously I'm in the same boat as J.T. I'm usually wrong, but I'm gonna say this is a John Newman game. Um, for several reasons. Uh, listen, it, it, this is an important game. The Bearcats got to get this dub. Like, yeah, here, right. This is a game. It's like we cannot afford to lose this. Um, 
John is the glue to this team. And I believe he steps up this game more than just offense. You know, that's the thing with John Newman. Like, you can't get caught up in how many points he has. You have to look at the totality of John Newman's game. Like, how's he impacting it from a defensive standpoint? How's he impacting it from a leadership standpoint? So there's so many different elements, I think, to his game that makes him the glue of this Bearcat team. So I'm going with John Newman to help us get over the hump and win this basketball game. Um, And I was thinking, like JT and Neil, I was thinking when John Newman graduates, we've got to fill that void, man. Like, that's a big void to fill. Yeah, a really big void. Because everyone knows the kind of player John Newman is. He gives you 110% every night. But, man, he is a a heck of a defender. And somebody on this Bearcats team is going to have to step into that role. We've seen glimpses, glimpses of who could that potential player be. But still got some pl- time down the road to see if that is the true answer to who fills John Newman's shoes next season. And, right. and, I think, and, and JT, I think it's, it's got to be somebody that's on the roster now. I just don't think you have a player that could come in. I could be wrong, but I just don't think you get a young player, unless it's a portal guy. I'm, I'm sorry, I take that back. Unless it's a portal guy that comes in that's ready right away to take on that kind of veteran role. Hey, what? All right. So this is just me being just throwing stuff outside the box. It's a kid that's red shirting this year. Very athletic, right? Top tier talent, homegrown product. What if he comes in next year and he's athletic enough to do it on both ends of the floor? What if what if Ray Von Griffith kind of just like does that? I mean, he has the measurables to be able to do it, right? The last person that Red Shirt that was a Bearcat, Sean Kilpatrick, that I remember. Yep. He was pretty damn good, right? So, like, what if what if Ray Vaughn, and maybe he doesn't do it to the level of John? I think he's a better, like, he has the potential to be a better offensive player. But you got you got Josh Reed, who's kind of like growing into like the baby John role. You got another guy, like you know, Ray Vaughn accepts it. I think that's something that can get him on the court and something that with yeah. his offensive skill. That's something that he could possibly be. I'm not saying it's going to be John Newman because John Newman on the defensive end is very, very special. Like he should get NBA looks because of his defensive play. Because mm-hmm. he's like a Bruce Bowen type player, but he, I think he's a little bit better offensively. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think with like with, with Josh Reed stepping in to kind of be that replacement for John Newman, jo- Josh Reed has to spend a lot of time in the offseason, I believe, you know, working on reconstructing his body. Yeah. You know, he's got, you know, he's got to get in better shape. Um, yep. more, more elite level shape. Cause John, John Newman's elite level, like in terms yeah, of his positioning yeah. and strength, you know, and, and Josh, and no disrespect, I love Josh, but he's just not at that level yet. Yeah. Understand? I mean, John's a grown man, you know what I'm saying? In the day. Man. So, like you said, like, yeah, Josh, Josh is going to have to definitely get with, with Coach Rayfield. And get on it, you know. <laughs> yep. yeah, monster factory, baby. Yep. So, but you're right though. You definitely three hundred, three thousand percent right on that one for sure. I mean, John is is going to be a hell of a loss, and it's not going to be about the the numbers you can see. Like John scoring, you know, close to ten points a game, or he might be at ten points right now. But um, that's not going to be where you look at it. It's just like he's he's so good defensively. Yeah, man. He he controls. I mean, it's been many people that you know their, their top guy hasn't scored like they normally score against the Bearcats, and John Newman is, you know, one hundred and ten percent reason why that kid isn't isn't scoring like normal. Yep. Well, hey, let's 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 hope let's be hopeful that John Newman and Vic have big games. I think we win that basketball game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This this hopefully we were right for. I mean, I feel like man, I don't know when last time I've been right. It's like, it's, man, it's, I'm, I'm losing my confidence over here. I'm like, a, I'm like, it's at the three point line. Yeah, it's, it's, I trust me, I, I get it. Now, I've only got what one or two, maybe right this year, maybe one. Man, I think I got two. Yeah, what yeah. the hell, yeah. do you know, JT? 
I don't know, bro. We just, we just, we just regular smucks. <laughs> you guys started so well, and then went so cold too. And and Neil, you were you were close to being right in that uh, early on in the season. I mean, shit, I'd say before the season even started, like I, I put I put Kansas as a no win, like no way, no how. I tried to tell people that's a winnable game. Yeah, you said that. I was like, man, you're drinking a Kool Aid too tough right now. You got it. <laughs> I had to tell people it was a winnable game. You were look look you at the box score for Kansas. There were six guys that played significant minutes. Everyone else was six minutes and two minutes. Their yeah. top six played everything. True. Yeah. yeah. They'll be out of this tournament by the second round. Could be. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, explosive, I thought. Neil was definitely sipping that Kool-Aid with his pinky out. Yeah, he was, man. I thought he was I thought he was in a dungeon somewhere. Like, man, they, they got him drinking, force feeding him the Kool-Aid. <laughs> drinking out of a wine glass, too, with pinky yeah. out. His glasses like up on his nose. Like he yeah. thought he, he was my up. glass had the typical JT mixture just a little bit stronger that night. Mm. Yeah. For Bearcats fans listening, JT always has a cup while we film. Normally. <laughs> Normally. Within it tonight. You got part. anything in it tonight, JT? Yeah, I got some in there. <laughs> there he goes. Man, you're chugging that bad boy. <laughs> Slow down, JT. It's a little juice, man. A little juice. We're all yeah, PG-13 over here. Man, we're still like yeah. We're saving <laughs> up in that bad boy like we're at the end. Like this <laughs> <laughs> little juice. A little juice. Oh, uh, the Big O segment was sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. Do you have a business that needs better inventory control, production management, or improved accounting, accounting control? Outgrown QuickBooks or can't afford NetSuite? Give Loyal Bearcat grads Doug and Kathy Jacobs at Smart Dog Solutions a call. They've been in your position and would love to help solve your problems. They can be reached at 513-739-9473 or online smartdog Dash. Solutions.com. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. This is where we cover the keys to the games. JT, what did the Bearcats need to do to win? Man, so I think the Bearcats need to protect the ball. I feel like I've been screaming at all year. Keep it under 13. Don't turn the ball over a lot against UCF, please. And win the rebounding. I like them winning the rebounding against Kansas. Let's do that again against UCF, please. And I want to see them shoot over 70% again. I like that. I like that. I think they'll hit more shots at Fifth Third Arena. Um, it won't be – they'll be on the other side of having that hostile environment. UCF is used to that environment. So, I mean, like at least the coach will know what to tell them. So, won't be a shocker, but I just think they have to control the ball, win the rebounding battle. And I think I think they got to just because, I mean, the Bearcats haven't been shot it great from outside. I think they just got to get a lot of points in the paint, whether it's by drive or by post up. Just beat UCF up. I just feel like they just got to beat them up, beat them up, beat them up and win the game. And I don't care if they win by one or if it's by 15. Let's just get a dub, beat three and four. And everybody will be happy before they play West Virginia on the road. Mm, like that. Yep. Stand on business. Stand on business, man. Just, just, just disrespect them. You got, you got all those post players. Dunk on them. Make them get fouls. Jizzle and dead they get to the hole. Dan, do your thing. Cmos, come on, let's get with it. If Vic, come on, let's let's go get some get some buckets today. You know what I mean against these guys. Because it's it's time to go ahead and get a dub, man. It's it's, it's time not to uh, not to be like it was so close. Let's go ahead and just get them out the paint. I don't care if they beat Kansas already. I don't care if they beat Texas too, right? I don't care about all that. We we we, we competed with a lot of top tier talents. Um, no disrespect to UCF. This is a game at home. You gotta have. Yeah, no question, Neil. What do the Bearcats need to do to win big? Can they win this game big? I think they definitely can win this game big, but in order to do that, they can't shoot for 16% from behind the arc. Right. So 
I think they gotta gotta <laughs> gotta shoot higher than that. But as JT mentioned, just exploit them inside. Aziz Bandego, Victor Lockin, Jamil Reynolds, just play bully ball inside. I think that's gonna be your number one thing because you know the kind of caliber these guys are. Obviously, this is I some people might look at it this way, but a potential revenge game for Jamil Reynolds because he transferred out of UCF before going to Temple. So obviously he's familiar with the system and how Johnny Dawkins kind of runs his offense a little bit. But Aziz Bandego, seven foot, I think this is a potential where Aziz Bandego could have a double-double kind of night like we saw back earlier before the back injury. Victor Lockin as well. I think this is a night where they can just go in there and they can feed the ball inside. This is another team where I think I believe it was TCU. They put up 50 points in the paint. I think this is a night like that where they could they could definitely put up 40 to 50 points in the paint if they wanted to. But limit the turnovers. You had 16 of them versus Kansas. I think in order to win, you got to keep them under. Let's go under 12. Keep the turnovers under 12 and just play smart. I mean, obviously, the three-point shooting has been something that has struggled on the road. I mean, they went. 318 on the road at Kansas on Monday night, which was 16.7%. I think in, they've shot the three-point, uh, shot the three-pointer really well at home. So let's hope they can continue that. But in order to win, this is the Big 12 now. UCF has that momentum building and trending in the right direction. They cannot shoot just three of 18 from behind the arc. And they have to find ways to knock some of those shots down because it's not only like they're not getting good looks. They're getting great looks but they just have to find a way to convert on a couple of them. So that's where we're going at that. Got to shoot higher than 16% from three play in the play in the paint. You play in the paint. I think this is a game where we both all have mentioned it. You can just go in you can play bully ball in the paint. Keep the turnovers under 12. That's what I'm going to have to do in order for the Bearcats to win big versus UCF. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. Now, like Neil, like you said, uh, UCF is 12 and 6 right now. Now, of their last three losses, okay, their last three losses, they have scored under, was it 60 points? I believe so, yep. Yep, of those of the last three losses. So I guess the, the three last three came in January, correct, Neil? You I don't have all the yeah, they, stuff they up. held they were held to just 42 points versus Houston. I mean, they only shot 17% from the field that back uh, two weeks ago. And then they were held to 58 versus BYU. And then Kansas State blew them out of the water and held them to just 52. So that means the Bearcats have to kind of set that goal to keep this basketball team under 60 points. Now, however you want to mix match how they defensively do that, if you want to say, hey, it's rebounding, if it's if it's whatever. But um, I'm going with UC keeping this team under 60. And John Newman's a big part of that. John Newman's on the board on the ball defense. And that thing just becomes infectious. Because I think one thing I see that happens at Fifth Third Arena, not not only this year, but in past years, you know, dunks and three-pointers get a loud ovation, but I swear, man, nothing is louder in the Fifth Third Arena than when they get a big stop defensively mm -hmm. that they need. I mean, there's times that roof is ready to blow off, pause, when they keep it, you know, keep a team from scoring. Like, let's let's say, let's say the Bearcats are on a 6-0 run, right? And it's like, okay, let's get a stop here defensively. And, and this team we're playing is is like completely done like they they're going to shut down and that place goes crazy like they recognize that so with all that being said let's keep this team under 60 john newman's going to be a big reason defensively why we keep them under 60 the kenyan segment keys to the game was sponsored by greg hood and the beach montoya come see fellow bearcat greg hood and the beach montoya for all your toyota needs cars trucks and suvs greg hood and the beach montoya is ready to help you get into your new Toyota. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. The Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. This is where we cover 
hot topics. And, fellas, I thought about this topic because a Bearcat fan that I know asked me a question, and he was talking about the fact, you know, the Bearcats are losing some close games, and I think everybody's excited that we're battling, we're in it, we're not getting blown out. But he's like, we can't keep losing <laughs> close games, be competitive, and not get over the hump. Like, you can't go and lose the rest of your games. And I'm like, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, that's a great point. And then he went on to ask, what do the Bearcats need to do to make the NCAA tournament? So I want to pose that question to you guys. JT, I'll start with you. What do the Bearcats need to do to make the NCAA tournament? All right. So there are 12 games left in the Big 12, right? Bearcats are currently 2-4. and four. Doesn't look great. But, but they have two top 25 wins. Honestly, man, the Big 12 is so good. The Bearcats just got to go 500 the rest of the way. Okay. 500. Because um, that'll leave them at 8 and 10 in the conference. So they'll be at, we're at we're 13 and 6 right now. Right? What is right? it? Uh, yep, 13 and 6. Yep. 13 yep. and 6. Yeah, they, they win six more games in this conference. Um, avoid getting, not even getting smoked. Just go ahead. Win six games. Yeah, I feel like they've played everybody. That nobody, the top tier guys haven't. I mean, they haven't played Houston yet. Uh, but if they can split, like if, if they can go six and six and somehow split against Houston, which is beatable this year, they just play hellified defense like crazy. They can split against Houston. Um, I think they're playing with house money. So, but six and six, and I just think Saturday got a win. So that, you know, you, you three and four doesn't feel as bad. You got a couple road games in a row, and uh, then you see Houston, but Houston and Iowa State at home. So I think six and six, man, because the conference is so good. I think what seven teams are ranked right now in the top twenty-five. Seven, yeah, that's crazy. seven, crazy. So if you go eight and ten in this conference, I don't see how you're not at least a ten seed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting yep. in the. I thought you're getting in a big, big dance. That worst case scenario, you're in the first, in the last four. If you're eight and if you're eight and ten, and that's not even counting the big. 12. I mean, we're not even going to get into that point. If you finish the season six and six, rest of the way, I don't see how you're not in. All right, Neil, what did the Bearcats need to do to make the NCAA tournament? Yeah, to make the NCAA tournament, I think the 500 route, as JT mentioned, is a great start. But for me personally, I think you can go seven and five, make the tournament. But for me personally, this is a one where they could finish the season, the non-conference slate. There's 12 games left. They go on, say they go on the road and take one of two, whether that is Houston or, or Iowa State. Iowa State comes to Fifth Third Arena, but they've been playing very well. They still have to go down to TCU. That's, that's going to be a challenging one, especially with the way the last one ended here at Fifth Third Arena in overtime. So for me personally, for them to make the tournament, I'm going to say they have to go 9-9 nine and nine in Big 12 play. But the potential is for them to go 11-7, and seven, in my opinion, in Big 12 play. So that's either going on the road, getting a win versus Houston. You have two opportunities versus Houston. I think they have to take at least one of them. If they get one of them, that solidifies their three wins versus top 25 opponents, depending on the outcome of what BYU does the rest of the season. And I think it's, I think it's really possible, obviously, because Iowa State right now is playing some of their best ball, but they have an, a week where they have to have Houston and Iowa State at Fifth Third Arena in one week. That is going to be a gauntlet of a week, but is it a, another week where they could potentially go 2-0, and and that if they can go 2-0 and in that week, and they build a couple of wins, whether that's UCF, West Virginia. They still have to travel to Texas Tech next week, and I don't like the idea of going to Lubbock just because anybody knows Lubbock is just a wild place to play. Oklahoma State has struggled. They are at the bottom of the Big 12. And OU and West Virginia again. So I think those capable they're capable of making this a an 11-7 and season in the Big 12. And if they can do that, I mean, it's it's going to be very hard to keep them out of the NCAA tournament with that kind of record. So, you know, if they go eleven and seven, that means they're only losing three more games in the in the rest of the, the rest of play. Yep, it's possible. It's possible. 
Neil standing on business, JT. Ooh, that's a hell of a okay. That's okay. a hell of a stand. Hell of a stand. Think about this. You're getting healthy. There is an injury update on CJ Frederick, who did some shoot around today. You add CJ Frederick back into the mix. You get your fully healthy team at one of the most dangerous times of the season, right before March. Only three losses rest of the way, though. That's a that's a whew. you add a shooter back, you get Aziz is healthy, Vic's healthy, Jamil's healthy down there. The chemistry will start going, and it'll just be like what they were right before the injury. There's capability of them going, getting fully healthy here down the Big 12 stretch and going to finish the season. And it, there, there's a lot of potential to make some noise from Cincinnati Bearcats. Okay. Right. AT, write right. that down. Write it down. That's Niels, nine and three. Niels Myers has spoken. Nine and three. That's nine and three. Ooh, that's that's gangster. If that pulls, hey, I hope you're right. Well, to, to Neil's point, though, we've seen this team when healthy is capable of beating anybody. And you That's already got to look at Oklahoma. You already got to look at TCU. You already have – you'll get another look at UCF. West Virginia, you play twice. Oklahoma State is just absolutely garbage right now. They're at the bottom of the Big 12. They, are, they think, are pretty trash. I don't think they've won two games in Big 12 conference play yet. Yeah, Oklahoma State is pretty trash, like keeping it so, in the honey. But we get them they, at home. So, but it's just, I don't know. Oklahoma, I mean, we should have beat them, but it's on it's on a roll. TCU is going to be on, I mean, Jamie Dixon the one, is The one I'm A-hole. worried about the most is going down to TCU and obviously Houston. But TCU is probably, TCU and Houston are probably the best teams in the big, quietest kept. TCU and Houston are best teams in the Big 12 this year. Yeah, and you got to think, Houston's not 100% healthy. Terrence Arsenault was supposed to be that guy for them alongside yeah. of Jalong, uh, Jamal Sheed and LJ Cryer off the bench. It was a guy who saw significant minutes last year. Second game of the season, or I think it was like eighth game of the season, early December, ruptures his Achilles out for the season. Mm-hmm. That was a guy averaging 12 points a game. I mean, last time Damian Dunn played off versus Temp- or when he was at Temple here versus West Miller and at Fifth Third Arena, he went off, but he ain't going to go off at Fifth Third Arena this year again. With that roster and how that's built out, He's not the number one option down there for Houston. It's not going to happen. I hope not. not. I hope not. And he's done it before. It's like, like, the thing is, I hope not, just because I hate when people go off in Fifth Arena. But if you've done it before, you've already got that mental, I can do it again. Like, I feel like, all right, I don't know, like, disrespectful, but, like, if you do something again, you're like, man, I could do that again. Like, somebody be like, you can't do that. Like, I just did that. You know what I mean? Like maybe you don't get thirty-seven this time, but maybe you get thirty-three. That's still balling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yep. He already he's already got that like mentally in his head. I mean, he John Newman didn't play that game yeah. either. Too, Newman but, wasn't on him last year. But if I scored, if I scored thirty, well, he scored like thirty-seven, wasn't it? Thirty-seven, thirty-six, thirty-four. Something. Him right, and Landers, so I, it was not, the game. Yeah. If I, that, if I scored twenty-eight, did you stop me? <laughs> you know what I'm nah. saying? Yeah, that's why I'm saying like you know, like now if they stop him the under 20, all right, I'm a, I'm gonna definitely I'm gonna keep tabs on that. It's just he has the mental, the mental fortitude of an like, already did it there. So that's the one thing that scares me about the Dunn situation coming back to fifth third. But um, if the UC wins, I don't care if he scored 50, it's gonna suck. But <laughs> shit, just get the dub. Get the get get the dub. No. He, he get he get fifty and everybody else got seven. You know Houston might they'll do some stuff like that. Score fifty seven yeah. points. Done and have fifty points. Man, I mean It'll when they beat somebody Houston, with four and another Houston, person with three. When huh? Houston beat UCF, they only scored fifty seven. So I mean, I'm saying they don't score a lot of points. They just they just play like they gonna play they just waste the clock. Physical play to their defense. advantage, play slow. If you scared, you are gonna get pumped. You can't you can't be scared against them. You gotta. Punch them in the mouth with you. Let them punch them like they'll beat you 45 to 40. They'll do some Mick Cronin stuff on you <laughs> this year. So, you, you yeah. Know, yeah, you know what I mean. So, all right, or oh, my bad, Meach. Go ahead, do your thing, man. What, what, what you think? Because Neil, Neil is he stole the show, man. He said nine and three. Yeah, he coming with the hot take. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know, man. My, my six and six looking real skeptical. 
Well, that, but I, I'm feeling realistic with that. Like, I feel like I can't lose with six and six. Well, I've got a little bit of a different angle on this. And the Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. <laughs> so, like, I, I listen. I'm I'm really bad, honestly. I, I picked this hot topic, but yet I knew you guys would be really good at answering this question. I'm not as good at predicting this stuff. Um, all I would say is one. Just look at this schedule. You know, we gotta beat UCF. We yeah, gotta yeah. we gotta beat West at West Virginia. I'd like to see, yeah. you know, I think that's big. Yeah. Um Texas Tech's pretty tough, right? They're top 20. They gotta be a top 20 team, right, Neil? No, they're not right now. They're not. They're, they're not we right. should be able to pop. I don't think so. I thought, Texas, I thought Texas Tech was ranked. They're not. Oh, they no. did they used to be? They used to be. Oh, they maybe. were at early at this season, but they're not right now, I don't think. I'm checking the yeah, polls right now. Just, let me check. The look, top at the AP, look at the AP poll and tell me what you see. Oh, they're, 20, they're 20th right now. They climbed six spots this week. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Listen, in the mornings, I, I put on ESPN and all that, and I usually hear them go through the, the, the different talk people. I could have swore I heard Texas Tech was in the top 20. but yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I think that's going to be a tough game. but. You know, I mean, we've gone at Kansas. It almost had a chance to win. So, yeah, um, I I agree. I think it was JT. You said the split with Houston, right? Um, yes, the split with Houston. The split with Houston somehow. If we could win two, that'd be even better. But split, just split with Houston. Yeah, split with, and then hopefully, let me see. Uh, I've I've got the schedule pulled up now because um, Iowa State at home. You know, I'll, that's the top. 25 team right now yep so right now looking at it iowa state is sitting at 23 so they'll have them at home texas tech is on the road they are sitting at 20 you have oklahoma who is sitting at 11 they that will be on the road and then you have a split series with houston who is sitting at number four and then tcu is sitting at 26, 27, 20, yeah, I think they might be out. At 30 right now. 30, yeah. And then Kansas State sitting at 28. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's, it, it, it's a crazy league, man. It's the best league in college basketball. Um, I think the one saving grace, though, I look at is, you know, hopefully maybe by Texas Tech or the home game against Houston, we'll have C.J. Frederick back. Mm-hmm. I look at a timetable here. So Saturday, um, what two weeks maybe? Saturday to Saturday, so that would be uh, February third. So maybe around that stretch there, maybe that 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 Texas Tech Houston. We'll see. I don't know. They might. I, I'm not. I'm not saying like I I know like top secret information. I'm just kind of guessing based off of hearing he's, you know, shooting around a little bit and doing this and that. So. Um, yeah. I think CJ could kind of help. Uh, I, yeah, obviously, the, the game he gets back, I'm not sure how much of an impact he could have. He might need to kind of work his, you know, work his way back in. So, you know, yeah, we will see. I, I'm bad at predicting this stuff, <laughs> but I, I would say I'm gonna I'm gonna venture out and say that this UCF and West Virginia games are crucial for them. Um, they've got to get those dubs. You you can't lose those yeah. games and then. Go play tough at Texas Tech, tough against Houston, and lose. So you, yeah. I mean, yeah, like we we can't have those anymore. If we yeah, play, yeah. You know, because yeah, you get you get those two, you're back at five hundred. Momentum's going good. Yep. We'll see what happens with Texas Tech because everybody has to go through this for the most part in the, in this league. Is some teams that are just a little bit better, but. I mean, the Bearcats have shown they're just as good as everyone. They just don't have as much margin for error. Yep. Which, uh, you know, right? But you win that, get back to 500. <laughs> get that momentum. <laughs> CJ back. Yep. See yep. what happens. No question. The Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. Visionary Cleaners is a locally owned company by former Bearcat student athletes. They specialize in high-quality commercial cleaning of businesses, apartments, and pre- and post-construction cleans. They can be reached at 513-388-7816 or contact online at visionarycleaners.com. 
Now, fellas, this concludes another great podcast. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Donahue Accounting Services, Smart Dog Solutions, Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota, and Visionary Cleaners. We want to remind all Bearcat fans out there to visit Meals Pizzeria at 2634 Short Vine before and after all Bearcat football and basketball games. Get there early because the place is packed on Bearcat game days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Meals for the support of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. And reminder, we will be at Meals on January 31st from 545 to 645 before the West Virginia game, the at West Virginia game. We're doing a live podcast. Fans come out. We will engage with you. Get you on the pod. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it, come to Donahue Accounting Services, a leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online, DonahueAccountingService.com. Thanks to all the Bearcat fans out there for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. Go Bearcats.